So last night I talked about the second of these four Brahma-Vihara qualities, the quality of karuna or compassion, which is the the capacity to turn towards suffering with metta-kindness and wherever possible to help that suffering release. So coming back to the relationship between metta and karuna, compassion, metta is the foundation of all of these Brahma-Vihara practices. And then from that base of goodwill, we can turn our attention towards what's difficult in our own and others' lives without flinching, without getting lost in grief. And I shared the passage from Caroline Jones and Paul Burroughs that's posted on the board out there, which mentions the uh, what are traditionally known as the near and far enemies of these qualities. So each of the Brahma-Viharas has something that is the opposite of what we're trying to cultivate and something that may look a little similar but is a bit off in some way. So, for example, with metta, goodwill, if we find ourselves lost in ill will, that's pretty obviously the far enemy. And the far enemy of each of these qualities is usually pretty easy to recognize because it feels unpleasant. So aversion, cruelty, jealousy, reactivity... These are all examples of the far enemies of the Brahma-Viharas and they're quite strongly afflictive states. On the other hand, the near enemy is something that might seem like it's in the terrain but it's not quite there. It's missing the target in some way. And because it is closer to the actual quality that we're aiming for, it can be a little bit harder to recognize. For example, with metta or kindness, the near enemy is sometimes translated as conditional friendliness. And it's when we we might be kind to someone, but we have an agenda for them. We want them to be kind back to us, or we we want their behavior to change in some way. So sometimes this uh, near enemy shows up as affectionate attachment, a possessive or sticky type of kindness where we're friendly to the other person in order to get them to like us or to have them feel indebted to us in some way. And in those examples, there is some uh, basic meta, but it's mixed up with other motivations that aren't quite as skillful. And that's completely normal. It's normal and to be expected. As I mentioned the other night, these uh, Brahma-Vihara practices are sometimes referred to as purification practices because they do show us whatever's getting in the way of the quality that we're trying to cultivate. So although it might not be pleasant, it's actually good to see when these near and far enemies are coming up because unless we see them, we can't do anything about them. So with compassion, the far enemy is cruelty. Instead of the motivation to relieve suffering, it's the opposite. 
were adding to someone's pain in some way, which, because of the law of karma, is going to hurt us too. And the near enemies of compassion are pity and grief. So again, pity, at first glance, it might seem like it's in the terrain of compassion. But if we investigate more closely, we might see that energetically there's a kind of distancing or separation or even superiority. The sense of, oh, look at poor you over there in your suffering. How terrible. And secretly, I'm glad it's not me. So there's that sense of separation. If we do recognize this kind of disconnection, we might need to return to metta for a while to try to re-establish the foundation of goodwill, of kindness, of warmth more strongly, and then we can turn back towards the compassion. Or we might need to change the person that we're working with for a while to someone who's less likely to evoke pity. And then when we can feel that sense of true compassion, we might come back to that person. And just to emphasize, this is not cheating. You know, sometimes with the Brahma-Vihara practices, people think they're supposed to do the most challenging and difficult people first. But usually that just ends up kind of flattening us and getting us discouraged. So in these practices, the encouragement really is to start where it's easiest and clearest and then gradually bring in more and more challenging people and situations. So the second near enemy of compassion is grief. And we need to take care here because if we're not um, careful, we can easily fall into sorrow or feel overwhelmed by the other person's plight. So as I said the other night, last night, Uh, Compassion is sometimes misunderstood as empathy and it's thought that we're supposed to just be with the other person's pain as fully as we can. But compassion is not just empathy because if we're just with the other person's pain, we're at risk of empathy burnout or so-called compassion fatigue. But true compassion is protected by wisdom. And it's this discernment that helps us to stay balanced and centered, like the image of Kuan Yin that I uh, demonstrated last night. So if we are starting to find ourselves overwhelmed by grief or sorrow, then we might need to really emphasize the relief from suffering, which is part of the compassion practice that makes it true compassion. So we might... If we're doing this practice, we might take some time to imagine the person coming out of their suffering, perhaps imaginatively visualizing them in full health or uh, getting out of debt or finding a better job or being involved in a healthy relationship or whatever the situation is. And when we can really sense into the possibility of this freedom from suffering, We might even feel a sense of lightness or happiness on the other person's behalf. And again, this is what prevents the compassion from sort of getting us bogged down in difficulty. 
It also connects compassion to mudita, appreciative joy, which, as I mentioned last night, is on the other side of the two points of the diamond. So if we are getting bogged down in the other person's suffering, we might need to drop the compassion practice for a while and see if we can find some mudita, something we can appreciate about that person or about their situation. So even in the midst of tragedy, if we look carefully, we might be able to find some aspects of the person's situation that we can appreciate and that might help lighten the distress we're feeling on their behalf. So I don't want to say too much more about Karuna now. I'd like to leave time to actually do a guided compassion meditation. We'll be using the traditional reciting phrases method again. And this time, instead of the benefactor, we're going to be working with someone close to us, someone that we care about, but who's currently experiencing some kind of difficulty in their lives. It could be a friend, a family member, a partner, anyone you feel close to and care about who's having some kind of hard time. And again, because this is a gradual training, I like to encourage people not to use the most intense, painful situation you can think of. Avoid that temptation. So if you think of a scale of 0 to 10, with 10 being the most intense anguish, stick below a 5 so that we can gradually develop this compassion muscle. We'll be using phrases um, that include the word pain. The word pain here isn't just physical pain, but emotional, psychological pain too. So the phrases I'll be using are, I'm aware of your pain. I care about your pain. May your pain release and may you know peace. And sometimes even with that first phrase, I'm aware of your pain, you might notice a little ripple of, "Mm, not really. I'm not sure I really want to go there. That's useful information. So you might feel that ripple of reactivity. See if it can soften. See if it can release. And if it can't, then you might need to choose a different person, a different situation. And then the second one, I care about your pain. Again, that might be more of a question. Do I? Or do I want it to stay safely over there? So we're inviting ourselves to come closer to the pain and just notice what responses there may be. And then may your pain release is that invitation to transcend the suffering in some way. May you know peace the last one. All of this is pointing to freedom from suffering. So if we do find ourselves getting agitated by the person's pain, as I said earlier, you might want to really emphasize the last two phrases and connect with the wish that it be released and how that person might be if they were able to know peace. Oops. Okay, so... Let's uh, begin giving it a go.